Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. So already quite important, big call to action, subscribe down there. And if you feel that what we are doing here makes a difference for someone out there, then spread the word and just send send messages out to your friends and say, hey, there's this strange dude there on the internet who actually talks to people and, and sort of tries to make this world a little bit of a better place, one interview after the other. And so spread the word, guys. Maybe we can make this world actually a little bit better. But today, another day for an interview. I've got Kat Caldwell with me. Kat is an author and a creative coach who is in her own way mastering this life and going through a journey that is so empowering and beautiful mm. that I had to have her on my on my show because it is we want to learn from people who have been there, done that, and were in very dark places. And I'm that excited to have Kat on my show and learn together with you guys from her what worked for her and maybe what will work for some of you. So Kat, thank you so much for coming on to my show. Oh, thank you. What a beautiful intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kat. Um, Kat, we... What we will talk today a lot about is family harm and violence uh, towards children and towards towards weaker people. Mm -hmm. And I want to put already right now, I want to, to stop the interview and say to you viewers and listeners out there, if you're listening into this podcast or watching this YouTube on your phone very quietly in a place that that no one can hear you because you're worried about your own safety and worried about your own your own situation or the, the safety of your children. Please, please stop right now. Think where is a safe place that you can go to. Think who you can call. Think how you can get out. It is so important that sometimes you just need that realization. And maybe right now is exactly the time for you to make that step to seek help. If you are stuck inside, especially now with COVID in the United States or in other parts of the, of the world, uh, other things can happen to you too. For example, you could develop a tummy pain uh, that over two, three hours moves from the center of your tummy towards the right lower part of your tummy. And that would be very much consistent with an appendix, with, with an inflammation there. And that's something for which you need to see the hospital. So if there is, if you feel that that you're trapped inside and things are not working and you can't get out to seek the help, then this might be a way out that you need a hospital admission. And then in the hospital, you can talk honestly to a nurse or to a doctor. Uh, hospitals, certainly here in New Zealand, but I know for many other countries, are set up to listen to you. 
And we know that it is really, really hard sometimes to speak up, but safety needs to come first. So before we go anywhere further, if, if you're unsafe, please call Women's Refuge or get yourself to a safe place. Yes. Cool, cool. But now back. So that is the, 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 hard, the hard stuff, but I need to spell it out out there yeah, because absolutely. too much, too much is happening. And we certainly, I mean, here in New Zealand, we've got one of the huge highest number of, of family harm. Uh, and it is, it is bizarre. It is bizarre. It is such an undercurrent. And it is, it is what it is. Um, and therefore, okay. we are talking about it. Yeah. Kat, oh, you're an author. Let's start with the nice okay. things. Let's start with something <laughs> nice because I've already dealt the first hammer blow here and the, the hard words. But um, it is nowadays you're an author and you're actually a creative coach. So tell me a bit yeah. about your work. What do you do? So I, I love to tell stories. I love to write the stories. Um, but I also love to encourage other people to tell their stories. So that's sort of been a journey in itself as I got some healing and was able to actually um, go out and seek the life that I was supposed to live in the beginning. Um, I really think that you need, sometimes you just need some healing counseling in order to to get there. Um, but in 2017, I finally got the confidence to publish my historical novel, which was a big deal to me. You know, I'm one of those women that likes to, not very emotional, likes to hide it a lot, but inside I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? How can I be doing this? Like, no confidence. But um, I pushed the button and, you know, it it's been a journey just trying to learn how to sell it. And, and that's been 2018, 2019, you know, learning that, but that was just a big moment for me. I continued writing and I came up with a fantasy fiction and I published that last um, fall. And I also um, set up my podcast last fall because I wanted to create a space for other people to tell their stories, especially creative, creative people. I really think that most of us are creative and many of us who are supposed to make that our job in this world don't do it for so many different reasons you know we have to make money or we have to we people think it's silly or you know we're all told different things and so i kind of wanted to give that space to people who are doing it in order to encourage the next generation to do it or you know it's the same age but we just need some encouragement some days um and then I also came out with an interactive journal because I'm very passionate about people learning to write, which we could, we'll probably go into as we go into my story. And from there, I, I became more and more passionate about helping people write their story and tell their story. I, I hear all the time how people want to write a book and um, a lot of people never start. And so I wanted to help them start and help them get past the finish line. It might not make you a millionaire, but and finishing a book, as you know, is oh, it's such an accomplishment. You feel so good. If it even helps one person, it makes you feel great. And so I think that's reason enough to do it if you want to. So true. 
So, so, so true. And there is the, the, the creative writing process is such a beautiful thing. It is uh, when you get into it, because to start off with, you are actually allowing yourself to dream and to think. Yeah. So you're, you're giving yourself permission to bring that creative child out and let it play and let it come up with ideas. And guys, it's highly addictive. I mean, please, I'm an addict. I know what I'm talking about because, (laughs) because you get this idea and you, you get this imposter syndrome. Who are you? Who are you to write a book? What do you think? And it doesn't matter yeah. what it is, if it is a romance or historical novel or a how-to-do book or a memoir. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, no, your brain will come up with 20 reasons within five seconds why you yes. should not write this book. And you actually think, nah, yeah, this, oh, thank you. Thank, oh, that's another good idea. Why not? Oh, yes. I didn't think about that. Now, fuck off. And because... <laughs> Move aside. It's like, like, yes, sometimes I do that in my mind because if I would do it constantly like that, people would look <laughs> at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my imaginary friend. <laughs> no. Now, I guess the point is the writing is such a beautiful thing. So just as a process. Yeah. But writing in the in the sense of healing and as yeah. a as a as a structured approach to to you dealing with something in your life can yeah. be very powerful and i get the sense from you that that was for you from the word go something that you actually did yeah i'm working on a nonfiction now so i i dealt a lot with my um, abuse as a child through a, a fiction book and that's not out in the world. It was for a little bit, um, which I I don't know if I'll ever bring it out. It was definitely. I think it was more of a therapeutic thing for me to to write it. It was never well edited, um, and it caused a, a bit of a stir in my family because nobody knew at that point. Um, so mm. I had to deny, 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 and you know, sort of swept it under the rug. That being said that writing that probably helped me stay alive in college, I think, because um, it just got some stuff out, you know. So as a therapy, it's absolutely important. I think even journaling, I have stacks and stacks and stacks of journals, journals in which I lie to myself, journals in which I tell the truth, you know. Um, it, It... keeps you as sane as you possibly can, especially if you're like me and you refuse to go get any sort of help. Um, so there are, I think that it is absolutely necessary, even if you don't feel like you're going crazy or you know needing to get something out from your past, I think it's still a good thing to do. I think we'd see fewer Facebook fights if people would just journal. <laughs> Ooh, now that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> but then again, now again, that's a completely different story. Let's not go into the Facebook <laughs> and that thing. <laughs> at the moment, at the moment, we're let's actually look at at the therapeutic side of journaling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And most of us, not not most of us, no, wrong. Nine billion people on this earth are all the same. 
that sounds stupid, but it is because we all hate pain and we seek reward. Mm -hmm. Full mm -hmm. stop. Yeah. Now, the hate pain, our brains are actually very, very good in, in either burying things mm -hmm. so that the pain does not become as prevalent as there, to hide things, to 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 reframe things in your mind so that it don't look and sound as bad. Mm -hmm. So that is all happening on the level of the reptilian brain. So not something that you consciously do, but something that happens deep, deep, deep down in the dark recesses of your brain. There's nothing you can do about it. It does happen right now, right, right here. What happens when you keep doing that is it's basically like like a little pus of uh, a sack of pus somewhere in your body, and it keeps festering and festering and festering. Yeah. You quite rightly said to talk to someone who actually been there, done that, and maybe can can help you and guide you a little bit uh, to recognize what is going on. Well, that is very powerful and beautifully healing. Mm -hmm. But to actually make the first step and start writing something down, mm -hmm. that is the first time that all that shit from the reptilian brain comes up to the cortex, to your conscious brain, where you actually frame it into words and now write it down. Yeah. And the moment you have written that sentence down and you look at the sentence, it is as if someone speaks that sentence to you. Right. And you hear it for the first time and you think, wow. And that is the, the, the amazing, amazing thing of the journaling. Was that something that you experienced? Is that, yeah. is that how you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's, A, it, it helped keep me sane on some times where I could just, uh, I'm not, I wasn't a very good communicator. So we'll say like, my household growing up was very much um, speak, uh, don't speak, don't be heard, do it as you're said. Um, and, you know, that growing up with an alcoholic, they, they, especially as they come down or they're trying to make them, you know, get themselves clean without actually any help, they just can't handle it, you know, besides the fact that he's a ex-stepfather, but you know, so there's all different sort of scenarios going on in my family there. Um, he had his own pain to deal with that he wasn't dealing with. And so just that environment was a bit suppressive. And so I think I, I started journaling at like eight years old, just to sort of find a way out, I think. Um, so I have to say there were sometimes I've gone back and I literally lied. I would lie to almost make it like life is better. You know, knowing something's wrong, but wanting to pretend that it's okay. And then going through and like actually admitting it. And there are times where you write a sentence and you put it away because you can't, you cannot handle how truthful it is and you have to step away. Um, and then the only thing I can say there is to just keep going because as much as it is painful, especially in my journey of somebody who suppressed a lot you do get to the point where you really can't feel anything and that's not living your life. So yes, it might hurt to feel the truth of those words, 
but that's really the only way that you can get to the point where you feel happiness. And as I journaled, um, probably early 30s, so like eight, seven, eight years ago, I'm just not happy. Why am I not happy? I used to be happy. I used to be funny. I used to, in realizing as I'm writing these, that I don't really feel anything and being like, oh, that's a problem. <laughs> I need to fix that. And so I'm not sure I would have realized that had I not written those words over and over entry after entry thinking I see a pattern here <laughs> if I want to live a good life I you know maybe I should figure this out beautiful beautiful I mean I find the journaling very very helpful and I don't do it nearly enough but None of us do. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it is the 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 dear diary uh, has a lot a lot of benefits. So, yeah. but but sometimes life gets so busy, and it, it is uh, that's right. But uh, guys, just just sort of sprinkling the seed here and see if it if it takes, uh, because it is sometimes just even if you don't want to have a diary, maybe write a letter to yourself. Maybe make mm -hmm. a point once a month write a letter uh, to the to that person that you want to be and yeah. see see maybe what comes out of that. It is basically taking stock, taking inventory in your life to actually stop for a moment, press the pause button, and for a few moments think, where am I? Where do I want right. to be? Isn't it? Right. So that's that's how I see how I see journaling and and keeping a record. And may I say, if you were if your life is worth living, I think it's worth recording. Yeah, <laughs> I hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so do do people often come with with uh, sort of I want to write my memoir or or why do yeah. people want to write things? What do you think? I think. I think we all have that storytelling in us. You know, our ancestors used to tell stories all the time. We didn't go to school. Grandma mm. would tell us stories about what crazy mm. Uncle Joe did or how they hunted this thing. You know, and she, the best storytellers are somebody who could whip the kids into shape, make them scared enough not to wander too far in the <laughs> forest, but that they would still go get food. Otherwise, you know, you'll die. So I'm talking way ancestors, you know. But it's how we learn, and it I think it makes it a little less painful um, sometimes to read a story or learn about the world. But we also learn things that we want other people to know. And I, you know, I always tell people it would be so much better to journal it and um, to come up with an idea as for your book privately rather than publicly on social media. I think that's what people are trying to do though. You know, I think they're trying to tell a story and they don't actually quite know how to do it because we've kind of been dumbed down by our schooling. Um, I mean, at least here in America, like we are not taught to critically think, we're not taught to critically write. You know, a lot of people don't write after they leave high school um, or it's just like, you know, how would you write this day, how would you describe this scene? You know, what do the trees look like? And people are like, green, what? You know, like they don't know how to use words. Like, I think I read today that people use the same 20 verbs, you know? 
so we're not we're not encouraged to do that and I people come to me and say they want to write a memoir and memoirs are great especially if you've lived a really full life but I think mostly what people want to write about is something specific about what they've learned in their life mm-hmm. um, in a specific journey that they've gone through like very few books are made for like saying what you did from being a baby to now, you know, it's very much a journey. Like um, the nonfiction I'm writing is very much the journey of like the background of childhood, how not dealing with it um, affected my life. uh, And then how learning to really sit down, deal with it and forgive helped me to see life in a whole different way. So that's not everything about my life, mm-hmm. you know, but that, so I, I think that that's, that's what people want to say. That's what people want to write when they say, I want to write a memoir. Other people just want to write, you know, what they've learned in business or what they've learned in their creativity. Um, I know a guy who's done drawings for like 800 days in a row. I was like, you should totally write a little book about what, what was that, you know? How did you do this? How did you start? Um, because it won't always make you rich, but it it's an interesting story. I mean, I just like stories, and I Absolutely. want everyone to write their story. <laughs> and especially in the in the context of the not so nice things in in life, mm. everyone of us who has gone through some very painful times your initial thought is, oh my God, how bad off am I? And it's all me and me and poor me, poor me, poor me, another one uh, kind of a thing. So you you seem to be focused only on yourself when you Mm -hmm. come from a level of I'm happy to the level of I'm stressed to the level of I'm distressed. And the higher up you come into this this distress, the the more you focus only on yourself, et cetera. So to actually hear someone else's story where you suddenly think, what? Oh my goodness, that happened to you? Wow. So that's that's one thing that can be very, very beneficial when other people tell their stories. Yes. And so if you have a story to tell and you think, should you or should you not? Well, the answer really should be, yes, you should. Because right. so many other people out there could learn from your story. Yes, They could see and compare in the first instance. Right. And that is unfortunately something we automatically do. Because you think, oh, uh, you, what happened to me? Oh, that's the worst ever. And then you hear another story and you think, uh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> nope, okay, never mind. Yeah, that's right. Uh, number one. Number two is... The, the other thing to say, there is always this shame and guilt and you want to hide. This yeah. hiding is part and parcel of us not wanting to accept that something really painful has happened mm-hmm. to us or that we have created pain yeah. ourselves and caused it. Yeah. When you suddenly read stories of other people who are in exactly the same boat, you realize that we all are sinners, that right. no one is a saint, that we all have got impure thoughts, uh, that we all have got things that we rather not 
like to see the light of the day. Right. And that is important. This shame, guilt, hiding is the worst thing that you possibly can do if you truly want to heal. Yeah. If you just want to wallow in your own pain, then just stay there. You don't need to do anything. That's what your brain does really well. It focuses yeah. so much on the, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, look, look what I did then. And it's, isn't it crazy? It's, I don't know about you, Cat, uh, but I certainly, for a long time, I woke up at four o'clock sharp, maybe sometimes 3.55, but around about that time, and my brain played to me things that I've done wrong 30 years ago. 20 years ago, 28 right. years ago. And you remember exactly, and these are not big things where, where the universe wants to tell me that I need to go to jail because I killed someone. And it's, no, no, no. It is somewhere that I just said a really stupid sentence. Right. And I'm embarrassed and mortified about it. And here I am, 30 years later, waking up, thinking about that sentence and nearly having a visceral uh, a visceral like someone hits me in the stomach and yeah. I think, what the hell? Why brain? Yeah. Why do you do that? Because, okay, spoiler alert, you have not dealt with something. There is yeah. something in there where your brain says, yeah. come on, come on, come on. <laughs> so, right. God. And, it, and it's much deeper than whatever that, that one thing was, you know? Is it not? It's trying to get you to like, and honestly, like you say that, that, that used to happen to me and it got to the point where I would almost freeze from speaking because I didn't want to say, um, I had a really hard time admitting when I was wrong, but I had a really hard time keeping my opinion to myself until I got to the point where I would wake up and say, you know, I couldn't like the stupidest things, you know, like I heard that it was going to rain tomorrow. They're like, no, oh no, it says that it's not going to. You know, it, and it's just, and I would wake up being like, you know, how can I make them realize that I knew that too? Like just crazy stuff. That's why you think you're going crazy <laughs> because your brain's like, could you just deal with yourself? You know, exactly. I, I, I'm so happy that it doesn't really bother me anymore. You know, but it, it's so, great. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you get there? How did you get there? I mean, you were maybe before we say, how did you get there? Mm -hmm. Because that's that's really what what is all about. What can we right. learn from it? But uh, there was a little bit of something that we sort of kept out of your life so far, mm -hmm. which we didn't touch upon because you had not a nice childhood. No. And but then you you went into the journaling. You 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 created your own fantasy world, probably to a certain degree, yep. in which you lived. And then yes. finally, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, it was time to leave home. Yeah. What happened then? What happened when you when the big wild world uh, suddenly uh, met the new cat? Oh gosh, I I have to say like. My childhood looked fine from the outside. It was not fine. Um, but, you know, I think like most people from that kind of childhood, you don't really talk about it. You don't really want to tell people about it. Mm. A, that your parents can't handle. And I, I grew up in the church and I have no, like I, I believe in Jesus. But I go to church now, but the church is not equipped for issues. And it's unfortunate. 
you know, if you are an alcoholic, they're all like, mm, go that way. Mm. Um, the abuse, like I never said anything about the abuse that went on. So yeah, when I got to, I already started dealing a little bit, um, got my hands on marijuana at 17. Um, and I felt happy, you know, <laughs> it makes you laugh the first few times. Um, a couple of years later, it would paralyze me into terror. <laughs> so, you know, it's not all fun and games all the way through, you know, so that made me happy for a while. When I got out of my hometown, I went to Chicago, went to art school, was going to study to be a dancer. Um, and I was surrounded by people who just wanted to live and have fun. And that's what I wanted. I just wanted to have fun. But I, I do have to say one thing that kind of probably saved me was spending the summers with my grandparents. I adored them. And they were very much of the great generation. They went, they lived through a lot of hard times. And while they didn't really understand a lot of the hard things that I was going through as a child, they did instill in me like, make something of yourself. And so that was always a desire in the back of my head. So, um, so even as I got like, all I did, I think that year was party. Um, don't remember a lot of it, you know, at the same time, I would wake up and think like, I need to make something of myself. I would go to class <laughs> when you're young and you can still do these things. <laughs> you're like, got two hours of sleep and I'm still going to do some pirouettes, you know, and you don't vomit <laughs> to be young again. Um, but I injured myself. And I found by the end, literally by the end of that one year, you know, it's nine months long, it, things were already starting to fall apart again. You know, I would stand in the shower wondering if I should slip my wrist, wondering if I should just run away and leave, you know, always being very rational of I've got $20, where the heck am I going to go? <laughs> um, and, and it just like... I have to go home now. Now, like my ex-stepfather was very much ex by that point. He was gone. Um, but things at home weren't that great. And I knew I didn't want to stay. I knew I couldn't stay in my hometown. And so I applied for a scholarship to Northern Ireland and got it because no one else applied for it. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> Funny that is. <laughs> Funny that is. Why do you <laughs> want to go? That's right. Bomb making one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there were scholarships for that. There was there was peace by that point. You know, this is okay. 2001. Um, now, peace had just come there, and I didn't uh, realize that. Um, yeah. So three, three weeks after the towers went down, I found myself in Northern Ireland. And... That was a year that I really realized I probably had depression issues. Um, so I had already sort of therapeutically written my fiction book, but I had not dared to um, say anything about it um, because it was kind of just my way of dealing with childhood. And times would go back and forth. I mean, there's very much a pub culture in Northern Ireland. So there's very much like there's some place to go Monday through Sunday, every day. Um, and it, it, realizing, you know, that thing of back and forth, like I want to do something with my life. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. This is fun. I don't know what to do. I can't be a dancer anymore. What am I going to do? Um, and I met my husband there at the last part of the year. And 
man, he stuck around <laughs> for some crazy things. I mean, I remember one night, like being in the middle of Belfast and just like having a meltdown because, because like you said, my brain was trying to get me to deal with stuff and I was not going to do it. Um, and he probably saved me. He was from a very traditional family. Um, he was my man with an accent. I declared that I would marry when I was 13, <laughs> but he, he saved me in the sense of like, I didn't want to disappoint him. So I cleaned up my act. Um, he was very much not okay with any drugs. You know, we, we would still go out like drinking was not that big of a deal, but you know, he would tell me if thing if I got out of hand and, and it gets to that point where I'm very lucky that he was like that, I think, <laughs> because I know, um, because there were times in my life where I just didn't care about me, but I did care about what he said or what he thought. Um, but what, what happens as you go through and so like living, you know, I went to college, didn't use my degree, but whatever linguistics, um, moved overseas with him and started a, a life with him and had kids. And the, the problem is, as you think that you're okay, because you didn't, you no longer do A, B or C, you know, the bad things that everyone you know, I don't smoke marijuana anymore. I don't, you know, I temperate my drinking. I got through pregnancy and breastfeeding. You know, I'm not addicted to that. Well, <laughs> I was addicted to, to numbing myself is what I was addicted to. So television, sugar, avoidance, whatever it was, it didn't matter. And it came to a head um, by the time I had three kids and my husband was working long hours. And I thought... I was like, there were times that I thought I'm just going to run away. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like these same thoughts as that would come up at 18, 19 are now 31, 32. And just being like, I'm a terrible mother. I don't know what I'm doing. I would just react, you know, to, to be honest, like there were times that I would just scream at my, like, I couldn't handle it. You know, why are you talking? <laughs> like, geez. You know, but I I see these women now who do the same thing. I was there and I I I can't pass judgment on them because what I see is you're so overwhelmed with life and your brain is telling you it doesn't matter that you had discipline to stop drinking or stop doing drugs. You never dealt with your stuff, and so you're dying inside. You're you're not living your life. You need to figure this out. And thankfully, I got moved to Dallas. We moved from France to Dallas. And um, I realized I needed help because my middle child is so vivacious and full of life and just so beautiful, but I couldn't handle it. And I realized one day, as she's she got her stubborn streak from me as she's five and looking me in the eyes, you know, she's not gonna budge and I'm not gonna budge. But you know that voice in the back of your head, even though you're talking and that voice in the back of your head, you're kind of is like louder. And it's just like, you're going to ruin her if you don't get your act together. Nice. And nice. I realize just like, you know, you do have the right to sit in your pain, but the, the saying is true that, you know, hurt people hurt people. Like 
end of story because you just have this vengeance within you and you can't take vengeance out on the person. Usually they're past or they're gone. And unfortunately, a lot of times you take it out on who's in front of you and the, the people that you love the most. Um, so thankfully I went and got therapy and it was hard. It was difficult. My husband stuck with me. <laughs> He's a saint um, because as things come out, you're just like a roller coaster all over the place. Some days you're calm, some days you're not. You know, things will start, you'll start getting triggered. You know, I know that's a, a word people overuse now, but it's true. You know, like this Epstein stuff, had I not figured out and dealt with my, my past, that's the sort of thing that triggers women. And they don't know, you know, Facebook is a horrible place that triggers you where you'll just be like, I don't know why I'm so stressed out right now, but I need to scream at someone. And it's because all these different things are coming at you and it's reminding you of, of past problems, you know? And so I cannot um, encourage women to go to therapy more, to a good one, <laughs> and to journal and the freedom that you find. And I only went for, I think, about a year you know, the rest of it, it was a, you know, doing a, a lot by myself and just being determined, like, okay, that's a feeling and I'm going to sit in that and journal about it. And, and I would not have been able to come on and talk to people about this. Even three years ago, it would have made my heart stammer, my hands shake. It would have, you know, it, it would have just, I probably would end the interview in tears or yelling you know, because women are emotional. And, and and I think the freedom of being able to help somebody by relaying the, your story, my story, you know, that can only be attained when you've dealt with what happened and learned to forgive, which does not mean condoning at all. But, but being able to be like, I just don't want it anymore. I just, I don't want it on me. I don't want it around like this burden of keeping it just this heaviness like I just want to let go and that takes a process but it's so worth it <laughs> so true so true that was one of the very first things that uh, uh my case manager or my counselor did in rehab I was four weeks inpatient, and uh, soon, I think, in the second week, uh, my case manager asked me to write a letter to an institution that I had uh, felt was doing all the wrong in the world and was hurting me and bullying me, which which did occur. Um, so I, uh, she asked me to write that letter, and. I went to town. It was the most beautiful letter I would have ever regretted had, a, had it become public. Um, mm -hmm. But so I wrote this letter and there I was in the next session ready to go. And I gave it to my case manager. There you go. See what they did to me. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. let's, let's. Oh, and she sort of looked at it and said, that's really good. Folded it, put it aside. Now let's talk about you. But, 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 no, 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 let's talk about you now. And yeah. it is, it is so beautiful. Please, guys, yeah. you need to deal with that yes. shit that is so deep inside. Yeah. And I'm quite excited about this particular interview 
because my wife always listens to these interviews and from initially being a bit of a skeptic probably and thinking you know, what interview and now she's my she's my um she's my biggest fan and i like that so that's quite nice but every interview digs up something every interview brings something home, brings the lesson home. And that's nice for me to see it, it reverberates, obviously, with people mm -hmm. like my wife. The fact, of course, is that this cat, three, four years ago, screaming, crying, being all yeah. over the show, <laughs> uh, letting it out on your husband with the accent. Um, yes. I'm the husband with the accent, okay? Yes. <laughs> My wife has worked at some stages in her life, the most stupid hours you could possibly do, 16-hour days and then some. And guess what happened? She comes home and the very first thing, <laughs> and you think, what the hell? <laughs> what did I do? That's right. That's right. And I said, I didn't do anything. No, but yeah. I love you so much and take it as a sign of my love to you that I can be honest to you. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you, darling. <laughs> so it's tricky. It's tricky, guys. So for those of you, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, if you're on the receiving end of such a person, it is, wouldn't it be nice that if that person actually gets guided towards a counselor or a, a psychologist right. or a health coach somewhere where he or she can deal with the underlying shit. And yes. we all have it. We yes. all have it. We Don't, all do. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. And it, like, it's not fair really to bring it up to people all the time um, who aren't educated, I guess, in helping you in some way or shape or form, or who really want to sit and listen and help. Um, there are just some people who don't want to hear about your stuff. And that also has to be respected. And I think you, that can be irritating when you're not really through the journey yet. Um, you have a lot more understanding once you've gone through some therapy. <laughs> so true. Because you have, you have to learn to have grace for yourself mm. and then you learn to have grace for others. Mm. And it just gives you such a new perspective. Mm. Yeah. on other people and just learning okay husband doesn't want to hear all of this right now and that's okay i can deal with that whereas before it would have been like well you're gonna hear it so. mm. <laughs> or why don't you listen to me don't you love me come on yes. it's that yes. kind of a suddenly the, the the kind of guilt and and shame in the husband yes. but yeah. it's also a i i, I now speak hand on heart how I often felt it's it's like torture to me because mm -hmm. I'm a guy who fixes mm -hmm. things I look exactly. at a problem I find a solution I deal with it boom done yeah. um, and here I get half an hour no I don't want you to fix anything I want you to listen and for me, that yeah. is, you might as well sit me on hot charcoal. That is for me to actually immediately come up with, with, oh my God, you really had a shit day. Maybe tomorrow you could do X, Y, and Z. Man, it, it's not about tomorrow. It's about the, the, the talking. And it is hard. It's really, really, yeah. really, 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 really hard. Um, yeah. So, and maybe I just want to say that, and that doesn't make me a chauvinistic swine who doesn't want to listen to his <laughs> wife. Um, it just makes me a human being 
who feels literally physical pain deep inside my gut because I see my wife in a bad place and I want to go out there and beat the guy up and 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 tell tell her boss where to go kind of a thing and (laughs) And it's not your calling to be a therapist that's right so it's okay you know people are called to different things and we're created to be different things and at the end of the day guys want to do something I mean my husband told me like it it pains him to hear my story when I go into it in detail usually with women and there's usually other women in the room where he's just like it's just I can't do anything about it and it hurts you know like and so you have to you have to take that with you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, well, deal with your own. How do you think it makes me feel? You know, like, and when I see that in women, I'm like, I know you haven't dealt with your stuff. Um, Because again, like, it's a journey that's a lifelong thing. I think of learning um, to have mercy on people, on yourself. You know, I, I, I call it the living the life of forgiveness, because like, it's constantly forgiving people for not living up to what you think they should live up to should you always be able to listen to me whenever I need to talk about this? Well, heck, (laughs) maybe, but not really. Like we're all humans, like you said. So, (laughs) and that's a beautiful thing actually. And, and out of that conflict, once you realize that, then you can find creative ways of dealing Mm -hmm. with that in a partnership because you're in it for the long run. So I know my wife wants to offload and she knows that when my hand is still on the on the door just opening up she can't just come in my face and say blah <laughs> there it is <laughs> that was my day <laughs> so nowadays we both have learned that i can come home actually put my back down <laughs> kiss her and, then- and <laughs> then, no 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 kiss her then take 10 minutes to actually myself <laughs> calm down do whatever I need to do. And then I come back down or come back out of the bedroom, et cetera, and say, darling, how was your day? And then she knows that I can be there for her. But uh, prior to that, she had no idea if I had a cardiac arrest at work and had to deal with the most atrocious trauma and I'm befrazzled myself. And she comes and it's all her. Uh, yeah. So it is, it's quite important. And, and I, I want to spell yeah. it out like that. There's nothing wrong with, with both of our needs. We both have yeah. needs, and, but we need to respect each other because we love each other. Okay, so yeah. that's, and that's the cool thing because you learn that when you actually start journaling to actually yeah. recognize what's going on, writing things down, then maybe even talk to someone that you yeah. can trust who is not your partner who is not part of your family where you don't have to necessarily to mince your words so much but also where the other person is not emotionally involved and invested in you therefore he can be more honest he can be more impartial and can actually say well yes what you're saying is all quite right but you're really behaving like a dick there, aren't you? Or, or like exactly. whatever. <laughs> okay. So yes, a, a good counselor, like your counselor will always be like, and what are you going to do now? Yeah. You know, cause my counselor would do the same thing of like, well, that's, you know, yes, this happened, but your behavior right now, <laughs> although yes, it's connected, you know, 
<laughs> to this past, you're still responsible for how you're raising your kids and how you're treating your husband and how you're like loving yourself or not. Yeah. You know, and it's like getting smacked in the forehead and being like, oh, I have to take responsibility for that. You know, yeah. a good counselor will not let you just sit there and, and blame everything on whatever happened that was bad. Uh -huh. It's like, yes, you will go through that. You will deal with that. But a lot of it is like, and what, how did you act and how did you respond? And then you're like, oh. <laughs> uh, see and that is ultimately that is if you wanted to translate it into recovery process after uh drugs or alcohol it's the step four in the in the in the aa system where you basically mm. take an inventory and initially you do the resentments the list of fears uh, or the list of anger etc you make all these kind of lists and then after a while, you actually come back to these lists and add another column. So not just, ooh, Joe is a real asshole because he did that. And that's how it made me feel. And then you add this another column there suddenly. Okay, and did you maybe contribute to that? What was your role in that? And suddenly you're actually reflecting and think, ooh, yeah, actually, now that you say that, I had forgotten about that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I don't remember this. <laughs> and suddenly it comes back to you that actually there's a damn good reason why Joe was an asshole to you because you yeah. actually were a real asshole to him or in general. Right, right. So, you didn't nip it. And I really, when I, when I talk to people about journaling, I've done it a few times of like, trying to encourage people to do it and why they should do it. A lot mm. of it is for that reason. If you don't have somebody to tell you, mm. a lot of times your brain will come full circle and you'll be like, oh, because mm. you have to be, yeah, it, it's possible to lie to yourself, but almost impossible because you still kind of know. Like once you remember, yeah, but I probably shouldn't have said it like that, you know, and even if you don't write it out the first time, hmm. you still remember it. You still remember like, okay, I'm not the saint that I was. Hmm. But if you're going to do it for the right purposes and actually write out what's going on, you know, and sometimes now, like I'll have the other day, like an anxiety attack and be like, I have no idea. I don't know. But, you know, like what was going on, you know, um, Quite honestly, a lot of times when I have to wear a mask for a long time, I, I go into these like mini panics, but I can, I know how to handle it, you know? So I, I think as you're writing it and be like, okay, but I can do that. I, I can see where that went. I can see where I went wrong and admitting it in your journal, at least to me, who that's how I learned to admit things out loud that I was wrong sometimes first in my journal <laughs> mm. and the earth didn't shatter and I was like oh, okay I'm okay I was wrong <laughs> and learning writing mm. out my apologies and being like okay I can actually do that in real life it's if you don't have that sounding board a journal is a really good sounding board mm. and it can help you if you want to actually realize where your behavior is wrong where you can learn more and how I would actually write out my apologies or what I'm going to say mm. and then memorize it and go say it. And amazingly enough, it's not as hard as you think it is. <laughs> uh, and that's you know? so true. So, so, so true.
So guys out there, so if a journal is doesn't need to be something fancy. If you want to have a nice book with a hardcover, uh, then that is actually makes sense because uh, I mean I certainly have got have one lying around, but I, I use hardcover books so they, they stack nice on the shelf basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they typically last for about half a year, then they are full. Um, so every yeah. so two a year or so works well for me. Um, if you just want to write letters, that's cool. I always advise to actually keep these things. There are some people who say, write something and then burn it or so. Mm -hmm. And there there might be something therapeutic about that. For example, that letter that I wrote to this institution um, to literally burn it and and celebrate Mm -hmm. that this is now a thing of the past kind of a thing. So yes, there can be something therapeutic in that. But at the same token, when you go back, half a year, a year, five years down the line to read your thoughts about something at that time. And you think, yeah. wow, how far have I come? How have I grown from yeah. that? That is a very, very powerful thing. Um, yeah. Also to sometimes we forget the hard places in which we were because something new hard is happening. And again, the new heart is overshadowing everything and poor me, poor me. And then you go back and you actually say, wow, actually, these actually, were brutal. Exactly. <laughs> it, also, it, it puts things into perspective. Yeah. And this time it's not the story of someone else, but you compare it with your own story that you probably had forgotten a bit because now life yes. has moved on. Yes. So, yes. so many good reasons to journal. Now, you have got an online journal, haven't you? You have got yes. some. Tell us about that. Uh, so, I have. I I do a newsletter every week in which you get one journaling prompt. Um, if it were up to me, I give you one every day. But most people <laughs> don't want that many emails, you know. Um, but I've done it for over a year, and so I put it all together. So it's fifty-two prompts plus like ten bonus because. That's how much I like journaling. <laughs> um, and you can find that at my website, catcaldwell.com. It's free. It's completely free. I, I think sometimes um, it's hard to know where to start. And I was definitely in the place sometimes where I, I had suppressed so much mm. um, that I really felt like I had nothing to say and nothing to tell about. Like, this is my day. Like, it, and it's, it's such a lie. It's one of those other lies your brain tells you. And like, you do have opinions, you do have thoughts, you do have things to tell, but I would pick up my pen and my book and I would just stare at the page and think, I don't want to complain anymore. <laughs> you know, oh. I will, but like, what do I have to say? And so I really try to make them like, um, be some are fun. Um, like, if your life was a television show, what would it be? Who, what character would you be? Um, who would the people around you be? Mm. You know, something fun to just write. Other times it's like, um, what was the last thing that genuinely made you sad? And what was your reaction to it? And do you think it was actually that thing or something else in the past that triggered a, an emotion? Um, nice. So they, they vary. Nice. Um, because I want, I want people to write, but I do understand sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Mm. So that's definitely, mm. even if you do it weekly, you got one per week, you're good for a year. <laughs> so true, so true. And that's really, really good because that is uh, to address the many, many individual things that maybe don't 
fit so well, let's say into a recovery process or into mm-hmm. things like that, you, you might listen to that because you are actually dealing with PTSD or dealing with uh, family harm, etc. So the alcohol might not be such a big thing. So to, to go specific into alcohol journals, etc., might not make so much sense. But yeah. this journal of CAD might just be exactly what you need. On the yeah. flip side, um, you might listen to that because you're you are affected by alcohol, or a loved one uh, is really in a deep, dark alcohol hazy hole. Well, the, by the time this this talk is being uh, broadcast, I will have my uh, workbook out there published. Mm. It is a hardcover uh, uh, work book that you physically can purchase and it is essentially exercises that help you to go through the 12 steps and where you can shed light onto things it starts off with uh, the with the most important task it starts off with a lot of blank pages in which i want you to write down in minute detail the person that you want to be when you oh, grow yeah. up. Who is this That's person? For everyone to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so start with that. Who do you yeah. want to be? As careful and as minute as you can. And then we go, okay, cool. So that's what you want to be. And then let's have a little look right now at your alcohol. So there are a few questions there where we can, yeah. uh, where you can be honest and, and look at your own alcohol consumption and how you fit into labels, so to speak, out there. Yeah. And then we're going to go through the steps and I give you exercises and you can actually work through. And, and this, is not, this is not to somehow get you out of meeting someone and actually talking about Mm. what is going on. This is not a replacement for a counselor or for meetings or for a health coach. This is something like homework for you that you can sit down and get a first inkling about what's actually happening in your brain. So this this is to put it down and suddenly it is written and you think, wow, that's really, oh, goodness. And then maybe you can sit down with your mentor, with your sponsor, and actually say, maybe today, shall we work on, on step three? Because have a look here, this is what I've written, and yeah. it makes it so much more powerful, easy, etc., for the person yeah. who wants to help you, rather than to start from scratch. And, and you know, so these yeah. kind of things are so empower- important and so powerful empowering so cat's journal my journal my workbook so guys just go out there just give it a shot and and pick up both pick up one pick the other uh i will probably not probably cat i will actually get your journal and because i'm intrigued now because (laughs) it is it is a journey it is a journey. There's no doubt. And I think I've got my ducks in a row at the moment. I think my shit mm-hmm. is pretty sorted. I right. betcha, I betcha when I go through some of the, the exercises in your book, I will suddenly think, hmm, interesting. Uh, and yeah. new things will come out. And welcome to my world. We are all <laughs> like that. We yes, all have absolutely. shit buried. 
<laughs> yes. It's a continual journey. Well, exactly. Sure. So and that's how you keep living. Indeed. And the cool thing is, it is a journey where we always have choices. Every single day, every single hour, every single minute, you have the choice to change that story. Once upon a time, that all has been written. The past yeah. is there, but now we're coming to yes. a point where you actually have to say, well, hang on, I write the ending of that story, okay? Yes, so. <laughs> yes. yes, the uh, beginning, you know, the past doesn't have to be the ending. No. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people choose to just let it continue. Yeah. But you, you don't have to. You don't have to let that be the the end of your life, you know, yeah. the that let it be the same. You don't have to continue a generation of alcoholism or abuse. You can be the one that stops it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and how beautiful is that? Yeah. And that is and that is exactly the argument uh, against focusing too much on genetics of alcoholism and genetics of certain mental health problems. Yes, the whole the whole generations before you were doing that, but you are so much more powerful because yeah. you now have got the insight. You're living in a time when you can listen to a podcast like that or watch a YouTube channel and look cat, cat in the eyes and say, actually, if she got her shit together, wow. Yeah. Maybe I've got a chance. And if, an, if a numb nut like me can turn his life around, come on, guys, you can do it, honestly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think we got to give hope to people, you know. Exactly. Yeah, you can do it. And you're not too old and you're not too young and it's not too late ever. Exactly. Ever, 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 ever. Okay. No, oh, brilliant. Oh, Kat, you're gorgeous. You are. <laughs> no, it was so lovely to have you on my show. This is, you're such a breath, a breath of fresh air. Um, and so thank you so much for oh, being welcome. here, for sharing all this honesty with me. And this yeah. is, this is, it's, I'm humbled and I'm really, really, really grateful that you uh, came onto my show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love it when we can collaborate across the oceans. Um, <laughs> if we can even get one person to decide to to make their life a little bit better and the people around, I think that's oh, so worth it. So worth it. Indeed. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Make those little choices. Change those little habits. And suddenly we all can work together and make this world a little bit of a better place. Look after yourself. Bye. Dream on, dream.